Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, God, you glorify yourself with what, with what it's uh, said and done this morning. Father, that we might lift you up, that, uh, Lord, we might walk out of this room uh, different people because of your word, not because of anything I say. And I pray, God, you glorify yourself with all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to spend the next two weeks talking about a passage of Scripture, um, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. And, and it's something that's really familiar. So how do you, how do you, how do you teach a passage of scripture that is something that, you know, a lot of us are familiar with, but yet, um, you know, most of us have a hard time in one way or another applying, right? So how, how do you really talk through something, you know, that, uh, you know, is, is rather obvious, but then, you don't necessarily uh, apply it yourself, or it's not something that's become a regular part, or it's something that's so obvious. That you say, oh, I got that. Uh, no, we, we don't really need to talk about that. I got that. It's obvious. Kind of know what's going on there. So what I'd like to do is just really challenge you right from the get-go to go ahead and just kind of put that away and just say, all right, this is part of God's Word. This is essentially the culmination of the message of the book of Galatians, right? To a great extent. It, 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 it's the, the very far, first part of this passage we'll talk about in a minute starts out with a command or a, a command statement, okay? So this is what Paul is saying to the Galatians, and this is kind of like his point. This is what you do out of all of this and so forth. So it's, it's, it's something that, 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 you know, it's real easy for us to gloss over, um, but I think it's really, really critical um, to to just really, um, frankly, our way of life these days. So we're going to talk about the first two verses, or three verses, uh, about making a conscious effort to be known for a relationship with God or our walk with God. And then we're going to, next week, we're going to talk a good bit about the war between the, the spirit and the flesh. Um, boy, I see that hand. <laughs> Come on. All right, so that, that's kind of what we're going to do, all right, uh, for the next two weeks. And uh, um, I'm really excited to see what I have to say about this. All right, so let's do a 60-second review. I'm always kind of excited to see what I have to say about something. All right, 60-second review. Uh, where is the book of Galatians? You know, just kind of uh, talking about where we've been, what we've been talking about, and so forth. Uh, it's after the Gospels, it's after the book of Romans, which is, the, the Gospels is the story of Christ. Romans is a, is a kind of a doctrinal treatise. Uh, the book of Acts is the establishment of the church. And, and we're into the section of Scripture, which are the epistles. Epistles are letters. And essentially, they're letters of Paul. And he has a couple of different types of letters. But these are, these are things that are written as a correction to a well-known church established by Paul. And that's really what, what Galatians is. So of the two types of letters that Paul has, he writes letters to friends, which typically are considered the pastoral epistles in general. All right, uh, They're privately, uh, kind of written to privately straighten out or guide someone. Okay, And then you have the, uh, the church epistles, or the, 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 to specific churches. In this case, it's to Galatia. But this is really to kind of publicly straighten out and guide and so forth. And in the uh, in the pastoral epistles, 
It usually deals with uh, just the pastors and leadership and so forth and dealing with friends. Uh, there's some crossover in these things, but uh, but in, in the, uh, the church epistles, um, typically those are doctrinal um, in nature, okay? So that's kind of what we're talking about there, okay? So why was Paul writing to the Galatians? Um, you know, essentially, we want to ask who the audience was, and we've talked about this a good deal, that there, it's made a part uh, of uh, particularly uh, Jews, uh, partially Jews and partially Gentiles. Um, the, there's a group of false teachers that, that's the doctrine that he's really uh, addressing. These false teachers are called Judaizers. Uh, they're interested in um, uh, having the Gentile Christians become circumcised or essentially abide in the law, the law of Moses. So we're talking about the Old Testament. So they're trying to apply Old Testament law to New Testament believers. And they're saying that it's gospel plus something. I guess looking at it from you, it's gospel plus something. Okay, So it's, it's not... Um, it's not a gospel of grace. It's not a gospel of the uh, work of Christ. It was it was gospel plus the law, and that's that that's what they were saying. That's how you got saved, and that's how you had a right relationship with God. And they had eventually, uh, essentially, exchanged you know, and put away Christian liberty, and 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 they're buying, uh, getting themselves bound by the law and so forth. So the direct context. Where Paul's coming into this section of Scripture, ask, you know, where does this sit within the book of Galatians? Paul just finished up a section about the law, demonstrating the depravity man. Uh, now he's transitioning to a focus on the Spirit, and we're moving into an injunction or a command statement. So he's, it, this is kind of like it's the peak of the, uh, of the book. And then he, now he's, he's made his argument, he's made all the statements, and now he's going to tell you what to do about it. Okay? And so that's where, that's where we stand. Okay, so everyone, that that's the context. That's where we're at. That's that's where uh, what what he's talking about and so forth. So this is the scripture verse that we're going to talk about. Let's just go ahead and read it. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and spirit against the flesh, and these things are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. That's now, when I was talking earlier about, you know, oh, yeah, this is the classic good versus evil thing, you know, that's what all the Disney movies are about, right? You know, good versus evil, you know, that's the, the, the concept that we have in, in our society. That's the way, you know, you know, everything is either good or it's bad. A decision by uh, a court lately this, this, this last week, it was either people either say, either say it was good or it was bad, or they did they did the right thing, they did the wrong thing, and there's no middle ground, there's no uh, in between, and so forth. And 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 to a certain extent, uh, uh, to a certain extent, that that that's correct. There is good and evil, but I think too often we 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 we, we you know kind of say, oh yeah, I've got this. That that is good by nature. It's that's just good, or, or that's just bad, and and that's that's easy. And and what what else? has those determinations that, oh, this is good or, or this is bad. So it kind of sounds like the law, doesn't it? It's a list of rules. This is good or this is bad. Well, sometimes, you know, some things are good and all determines about, it's determined by why you're doing it, why you're doing it. And that's, that's where it gets into kind of what we're thinking 
in and of ourselves are the why of what we're doing. Okay? So let's talk about this. How to walk in the Spirit. Because that's the command. Essentially, Paul is, you know, he's, he's, he's just come out of this dissertation about the law. He's just come out, you know, about all this, all this stuff that, uh, um, that we, that this, this congregation has been dealing with. They understand the law well. But what is, what is your walk? What, is it, what does that mean? What does it mean to you? If I say, what's, what, what does it mean to have your walk with Christ? Or what is your walk? What's, what's an example? Anyone? What does it mean? Okay, how you live out your life for Christ. Who, who sees that? It depends on how you live, right. Okay, good, good. What about, uh, um, what about other things that we've used to kind of describe this kind of thing? Uh, uh, we've always traditionally said, what, what, would, what would someone write on your tombstone, right? We're going to say, what are you all about? Or what is this person all about? Nowadays, it's not tombstone, now it's the Facebook status. Uh, or, but, but here's the thing, and this is something my wife was very uh, quick to point out, is that Facebook statuses, they lie. A lot. Uh, in fact, they're, they're, there's people that make up entire personas online, and uh, that's their Facebook, and that's you know they're they're living another another life and so forth. So I kind of changed it a little bit in the notes and said, what what would God say on your Facebook status? What would He put down? Because that's going to cut to the chase, right? It's going to cut through what we think we are, what we hope we are, and one of the things. That I uh, uh, I've always thought is that I because uh, I'm an administrator. I love administration. I love getting something right. I love you know making sure something's operationally efficient and and so forth. That's just the way I look at the world, right? Somewhere along the lines, I made the assumption, and in my twenties, and when you make most of your really big mistakes. Um, uh, that uh, I made the assumption that that I can work with details, and if you ask Jim right now, he's going to tell you that is not true. <laughs> um, I I just I, if you want if you want something to not get done on a regular schedule and so forth, give it to me. All right, that's just that's just the way it is. I'll build you a system that will do it with regularity and with uh, with. Uh, uh, to, with uh, milestones, and I'll build a project, and I'll do all this kind of stuff. But I am not the person to to make sure all those things happen on a schedule. That's just not me. I have to I have to schedule uh, everything from paying the bills. I have to have a reminder on my calendar. If I if my calendar doesn't go off, I'm working on whatever the top project is in my head is at that moment. All right, and that's just the way I am. But I think. At points in my life, I would I would have told you, oh yeah yeah, give, give me all the details, man. I'm a detail person. Yes, I like details. I like details as long as I can put them into a system, <laughs> and that's it. You know, so ask yourself not what um, you think you do best or what how you are. Uh, more importantly, ask your wife, or ask your spouse, or ask your friends. Ask, you know, what, what do other people see? At, and that is really what you're portraying. That's all too often, 
you know, we think of ourselves completely different than what we're what we're putting off or what we're showing to others, and 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 that's what I'm, I'm talking about as far as a walk. Um, one of the greatest pieces of advice is, uh, advice I got as a as a twenty-something um, was, you know, find out, uh, fi- uh, build yourself a set of mentors and let them tell you exactly how you're wired, and trust that God's going to speak through them. And and that's you know that's what we're talking about is what we're portraying in our life and what what is your your modus operandi what how do you operate what's the, what's the, the what's the what are you known for so that's what we're talking about in in a walk um, but I think it's something that Amy sent to me uh, through Jim earlier this week uh, was you know uh, this this idea of uh, it being a continual habit. Um, looking at the scripture verse, it says, uh, uh, walk in the spirit. Now, it doesn't come through in the English language, but in, in, the, in the Greek language, uh, that is actually a, uh, um, a present imperative. And Greek verbs have declensions, and they have additional information that's attached to them. Uh, they reference, and some verbs will attach themselves to nouns or attach them to other parts of the sentence. So there's more information than, than many times our English language will convey. So really the right way to interpret this verse is to say, keep walking in the spirit or keep on walking in the spirit. It's a daily, it's hourly, it's a continual, it's a perpetual, it's a ongoing thing. So it's not saying walk in the spirit. Oh, check. Got that done. I walked in the spirit. That means I'm good. You know, no, no, no. That, that, that becomes an ongoing, perpetual, every day, you know, hour by hour. For me, it's a minute by minute thing of, of walking in the spirit. And that is the direction that God, uh, that, that Paul gives us and God gives through Paul for us here. He's not saying, don't do the evil stuff. Don't do this over here. Stop that. That's not what he's saying. You know, um, I've learned so much about education now that I work for a school, but also because my wife, as an educator, uh, I hear a great deal. There's none of her piano students in here, right? Okay, good. Um, she's she, my wife's a piano teacher, and if if you have ever done that type of teaching. Okay, two of her piano students are right here. My daughter's, I stand corrected with that glare. All right. Uh, um, If you've ever done that one-on-one type of teaching, it's a different intensity. When you're standing up and teaching a group like this, there's a certain type of intensity that it has. But when you are one-on-one, face-to-face, working with an individual person, uh, it's a different kind of intensity. So even though she she teaches for a shorter period of time, she comes she's she comes up worn out from uh, from teaching um, more than if she had done the same type of teaching uh, in front of a group because you have that back and forth. All right. So um, when when you're teaching someone um, kind of personally and and so forth that 
has a um, a different type of relationship, and that's kind of the relationship that we have with God. It's a one-on-one. It's an interpersonal. It's a it's it's a back and forth type of thing. Um. So, what's what's happening here is that you know he's giving us a directive to do something. It's like positive reinforcement, and it's not. This is this is double negative. It's not negative <laughs> reinforcement. Okay. So what he's doing is he's telling you. If you don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, you have to focus on walking in the spirit. It's like when uh, when my wife's teaching certain piano principles. If you tell a child not to do something, what's the first thing they want to do? Exactly that, right? Okay, and you've just seeded that in their mind, all right, and and they're thinking on that. Rather, it's more important, especially with repetitive motion type learning, all right? And the same thing we do in the martial arts. You teach them exactly how to do something, do it right, and then do it with repetition, okay? And that essentially is how we, as human beings, we learn. So let's go to the next, uh, to the next uh, section here, number three, okay? Um, your flesh, you cannot control it, okay? Uh, but but yet you really can, and he gives us the the way to do that. It's not to control the flesh; it's to walk in the spirit. It's a simple concept. It's incredibly easy, but we have a very difficult time because our tendency is to want to address the flesh and to not do that. But 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 he's not saying that. He's not saying don't walk in the flesh. It says if you don't want to walk in the flesh, then you have to walk in the spirit. All right, simple concept, difficult to apply at times, uh, and 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 I'm I'm talking to myself more than more than anyone else in this room. Interesting thing, when you talk about the word lust of the flesh, we think, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That's that all that bad stuff. It's the evil stuff. You know, <clears throat> that's not the, the 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 way it conveys in the Greek. Uh, we immediately uh, uh, assign evil to the word lust, right? But that's not necessarily what you pick up out of the Greek. What it really is conveying is that anything that you have a natural tendency to do can become a strong distraction from from the Spirit. So it could be music. It could be art. It could be a hobby. It could be all kinds of things that might pull you away and distract you from the uh, from the spirit. Um, so uh, this is something that J. Vernon McGee, uh, in his commentary on the book of Galatians, I pulled out earlier this week. It says uh, it means anything the flesh desires. It, it may uh, many things that are not immoral, and it, it, everything from just doing good to you know, uh, anything that, that, that distracts you uh, from from your relationship with God. Now, I purposely don't want to put too many specifics on that because it's going to be different for every one of us, okay? There's things that can become a huge distraction, right? Um, uh, for me, my big distraction is work. I am I am a self-proclaimed workaholic. Uh, given... given uh, 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 given freedom in my schedule in any way, 
I want to head head to work and work on the next project I've got. Okay, it's just the way I, that's just the way I'm wired. But that can seriously distract me from uh, from my walk with Christ. So what do I have to do? I have to trick myself. I have to trick myself into doing spiritual things. Uh, why do I have my uh, daily bread come to my email every day? Why? Because I know that I'm going to go read my email. So I have put my put in place triggers. I get like three things a day that are all devotional type uh, type things. All right, and that is how I make myself knowing who I am, having a good uh, self awareness. I I know how I operate, so I I use things that are going to make it easy for me to walk in the spirit or to continue that relationship with God. All right. Um, I um, I put myself in front of people that I know are are going to ask me and 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 deliberately uh, ask me uh, how how's my walk with Christ? Okay, uh, because that is that is how I need to operate. Um, I know that the best I, I am not uh, a, a sit down read a book kind of guy. I have a nervous feet. I have a, I, I, I'm constantly in motion. Uh, if I'm at the house and I don't have anything that I've been specifically asked to do, I clean. Uh, that's just a habit of mine. I, my wife loves it. <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, if if there's addition in the, in in the in the sink, I'm I'm all over that. That's my. It's just kind of my thing, right? So. Um, I know that for me, the best spiritual time for me is when I'm behind the steering wheel. So every moment I'm in the car, uh, especially if I'm by myself, either the radio's off or I'm listening to a specific podcast that I have queued up. Why? Because that's what works for me. That's how I've realize it's important for me to do that. So let's look at the second point. It says uh, 3B. It says, only through repeated activity do we learn anything. Excellent book um, uh, called Outliers. Has, has anyone read the book Outliers? Absolutely spectacular book. He talks about the 10,000 hour rule. Um, and uh, a guy by the name of Gladwell uh, wrote it. And um, he... Um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, and the concept of the ten thousand hour rule is that you can you can master anything anything that you want, regardless of your talent. You can master it if you spend about ten thousand hours doing it. Now, my wife has demonstrated this because literally every person in her piano studio learns piano. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you have talent or not. Um, and sound terrible. Uh, some of her students don't have talent. I don't have talent, and I can play the piano, right? <laughs> okay? I definitely don't have a talent for it, right? But if I put in the time, I can develop the skill in order to accomplish that. Now, I'm never going to be a virtuoso. I'm never going to be, you know, uh, remarkable at, at it. But I can learn it, and I can master it, and I can accomplish it, and I can do it, Right? As long as I put in my 10,000 hours. I haven't put in my 10,000 hours, so I'm not there yet. All right? 
But how long is it going to take you to put in your 10,000 hours? And that's one of the things that, that it covers in, in uh, the, um, not only um, outliers, but the same theme comes up in three other in two other educational books. Um, one that's called The Talent Code, which is kind of the fallacy that, that you have to have talent to do something. And then this book here, it's called Bounce. Uh, all of them about uh, about education. It's about Mozart, Federer, Picasso, Beckham, and the science of success and so forth. And really what they're finding is the same thing that God gives to us in Scripture, which is you have to make it regular. It has to be done often. You could, if, if, uh, let's assume that the, that the 10,000 hour rule is true, okay? If that uh, 10,000 hour rule is tr true and we're talking about piano, all right? How soon, or how long is it going to take me to put in my 10,000 hours? If I'm practicing five hours a day, my 10,000 hours can be done in two, three years, right? Okay? If, if, if uh, thank you, 3.47, I like that. If I am practicing only 20 minutes a day, how long is that going to take? I'm waiting. <laughs> Several, uh, uh, 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day because that's half an hour. That's easier to... About 20 years. Yeah, 20 or 30 years, right? Okay. So, see what I'm saying? Is, is, is it, does, it, it all depends on whether you're willing to do that, put, put in the time or not put in the time. And so that's what I'm going to bring back around to, to you here. Are you putting in the time? Are you putting in the time to develop a relationship with God? Are you putting in the time to walk in the Spirit? If you look at the amount of time you spend watching television versus the amount of time you spend, uh, spend in Scripture or doing something for other people or in one way or another walking in the Spirit, right? Because I, I, we're going to talk about you know, the spirit versus the flesh. We're going to talk about that next week. But what I'm talking about today is, is just doing it. You know, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not a difficult thing as a concept. It's just difficult to do. And so identifying that it's difficult to do and admitting to that it's difficult to do is the first step to getting it done. It's because every I, I, because I know every single person in this room was born with a sin nature. You have the same war that's going on inside of me. It's a flesh against the spirit. All of us have the same issue. All right, and nothing irritates me more than denominations that say, "Hey, we got it all figured out. You follow this set of rules, and you're right back in the law." Right, and I, I've lived more parts of my life under under that kind of thing than I care to admit to. So so what I'm saying is cut to the chase and cut the stuff out here, you know. All of us are in the same position. We're all struggling with the flesh. Okay? No one's got it cornered. Everyone's got the same situation. Uh and it's not me saying that, it's God's word saying that. Okay? We're all we all have that same sin nature. Okay, and the answer is to walk in the spirit. The problem is getting there.
and doing it and putting in the time. You know, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning and do your devotions and you gotta, you know, sweat and pray. You know, that's not it. But it's, it's what it's gonna be for you. Because walking in the Spirit's gonna mean something different for Albert, different for Jim, different for me. Uh, you know, God's given me, uh, me the responsibility to go out and to, to help others. Uh, I have nervous feet. That's the way He wired me. Uh, that's not a mistake. Alright? Our pastor's a <clears throat> bit on the ADD side. Okay? That's not a mistake. Alright? God built him that way specifically for this congregation. What does it say about us? I'm not sure, but <laughs> all right. But that's not a mistake because that's exactly, exactly according to God's plan. So, um, one little comment on this is that uh, uh, discipline, in and of itself, can become just as much an issue. So if if you now are going to go the other extreme and you're going to say, I am right with God because I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, not 5, I get up at 4, okay, and I do my... So you can go the other direction. We'll talk about, a lot more about that next week, okay, about the overstatement of these things, all right? So let's get down to the last point, point 5. The single focus. He gave us one thing to do. After Paul's addressed everything according to the law, everything with the book uh, that the, the, the Galatians were trying to do, he gave them one thing, one command, one statement, one issue to, uh, to address, and that's to walk in the Spirit. That's it. And look, look what it says uh, is the result of that. I say then, walk in the Spirit. Let your life be known for that. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he states the obvious. For the flesh is against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. The things that you wish are natural, are, 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 are built in. Our default position is to do the things that are going to be contrary to the Spirit. And that is how we were born. That's, it's not, uh, it, our society says, oh, everybody's positive. Everything's good. You just educate them. Just give them a book and they'll do the right thing. They couldn't be more wrong. All right? So we are born sinners. We're still dealing with that. In the flesh, and we should we, we need to have that single focus. All right, so let's talk about what's the point. What is what's the application? Oop. Uh, I'll come back to that in a second. All right, what's the application? A single focus, a directive. The, the crux of the matter is given to us is to walk in the Spirit. We must keep walking in the Spirit. It's a daily thing. It's not a checklist. It's, a, it's an ongoing, perpetual relationship with God that, and, and relationship with ourselves that we need to continually develop. 
And then Paul equates the lust of the flesh with being under the law. He takes it right back home to where the Galatians were standing because that was their issue. So let's personalize that. Don't try to keep yourself from being bad, but rather focus on being good. Yeah, real positive reinforcement, it really does work. It really does work, and that's exactly what God tells us to do. I'm the first one to run to discipline, okay? All right, I'm, I'm, I'm strong that way. Uh, ask my kids. <laughs> but uh, it really is about being, uh, you know, walking in the Spirit and focusing on that, not, not what you shouldn't be doing. Uh, do what it takes for me. Know yourself. I'm going to be different than every one of you here. Okay? And every one of you are going to be different than me. So find, you got to figure out what works for you, okay, to keep yourself walking in the Spirit. But let's, I kind of want to come back around to the very last thing, which is this blank right here. What would Paul put there for you? What's your distraction? Paul brought it back around to the lust of the flesh equals the law. For me, the lust of the flesh equals work. It just does. I, I mean, I, you know, I hate to admit this, but I have an appointment at 1 o'clock to, to take care of a server that's crashed over the weekend. So that it's, it, that's just, you've got you to gotta stay able to focus on those. What are those things? And, and until you identify those things, you'll never see victory over them, ever. So that, that blank right there is your homework. What what is what is the uh, the works of the flesh or the lust of the flesh for you, and what what takes your focus away uh, from from walking in the spirit? And so that's that's your homework, and we'll talk about the anagram next week. Okay. At your tables, you got your attendance. Make sure you put uh, write down everyone that was here. Your prayer requests. Go ahead and pray. And then we're out the door. Thank you.